0: Hey, guys, this is Coach Kita Bussey with 180 Firearms Training Podcast, joined by Grant Chancellor Madison from South Africa and Steve Anderson from Anderson Shooting. So, Steve, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, and we'll chime in with some questions later on.
1: Okay. Do you want the three-minute version, the 13-minute version, or the 30-minute version? (laughs)
0: Let's do the three-minute version to start with.
1: Okay. Very good. First, I want to thank my partners. Before we forget, Targets USA manufactures the finest steel targetry on the planet. Uh, CR Speed makes the finest gun-handling gadgetry you can wrap around your waist or anywhere else. Hunter's HD Gold is the only wear I wear, where I'm not wearing these wear. Uh, let's see, that brings us to the amg-lab.com Commanderson timer, which continues to blow minds and turn heads when it puts the time into the tablet. OutdoorDynamics.net remanufactures the finest competition ammunition you can dispense from a Freedom Seed dispenser. And that brings us to ShootingSportsInnovations.com, which is a lot to type because there's a lot to see. And of course, Vortex Optics riding neatly atop Bull Armory guns. Whew. Okay, so. I was a rock and roll guitar player, and I got canceled when Nirvana came out. Uh, All the hair bands went away on the same exact day, and I was one of them. And about that time, I got robbed in a record store that I was managing by a young man with a K-bar knife. Grant, you know what a K-bar knife is?
2: Yep.
1: It's Rambo's knife. I mean, he waved that thing in my face. He tried to stab me a couple times, and by the grace of God and Gumby, I was able to prevent being stabbed. Uh, went and bought a gun, Smith & Wesson 5906, and I got deeply into what we now call the tactical Timmy culture. Uh, I, was, I was literally spending every free moment of my time preparing for a gunfight, and then I realized this gunfight I'm preparing for is probably never going to happen, right? Chances of being involved, for most people, two violent encounters in your life, pretty rare. Uh, you'd have to kind of be looking for trouble or being, being, well, maybe not in South Africa. I don't know. In, in Ohio, USA. <laughs> yeah, That's right.
0: <laughs> that's
1: right. <laughs> but um, at any rate, the, the local range had a Friday night bowling pin match. And I started doing that came in second, my first time and won the next one and then was pretty undefeated for a while. Uh, and then they said, Hey, if you like that, you should come do steel challenge. What steel challenge? Be at the range at eight o'clock in the morning. Okay. Went, first time you hear a bullet hit a steel target you're hooked for life you know because you've you're used to punching holes in paper uh but when you hear that ding for the first time and realize that you made that noise it's really awesome and they said if you like this you ought to come shoot ipsic i said what's ipsic they said be here next saturday eight o'clock so i went on my very first field course ever i shot every target twice including every no shoot on the (laughs) they either didn't tell me or i was so excited i forgot but i literally got two hits on every single no shoot (laughs) and they and and they just doubled over laughing so i continued to shoot uh ipsic because uspsa had just split off or maybe it already had and they just called it ipsic out of tradition i don't know but one day in the mail i got this card that said a class production And so I took it to my buddy, Vern, who got me into this. And I said, Vern, what's, what's this? He goes, well, you're an A-class. I said, what's, what's A-class? So he explained it to me. I said, what's after that, master? What's after that, grandmaster? Okay, well, that's what I'm going to do then. And um, I had just bought a used open gun, uh, a very old Caspian open gun uh, from my buddy, Kyle. And I became obsessed with making grandmaster and got that done in about nine months and uh people said because i was the first grandmaster in ohio and everybody said how'd you do it how'd you do it because youtube was not a thing the the internet was was in its infancy at this time so you couldn't go online and see videos of of the top dogs there was a matt briquette video that had blake mckez on it and by the way that was very formative uh, for me blake mckez must have been he was for sure a teenager and the end of this Matt Briquette video was Blake going pop 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 reload pop 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 reload, and I went, "Whoa, that's what I want to do." So that's what I did, and people kept asking me, "How did you do it?" And I'd write down the twelve drills on one piece of paper, and then I realized, "Hey, there's there's some value here. Why not write a book?" So I wrote Refinement Repetition. I don't know if I can get I can reach one here. Your
0: books are the first shooting books I ever read.
1: Well, thank you. Um, so wrote this book. This was in full blown chubby Steve. That's why there's not a picture of my face. I was very heavy at this time. So that's why, that's why my, that's why me and my chins aren't on here. Um, but, uh, yeah. And what happened after that was, uh, I was dominating my local match, not because I was that great, but because nobody else was practicing. Um, Mm -hmm. at that time, at least in my area, it wasn't really considered cool to practice. And that did not right. make sense to me as a musician.s uh, Sorry, as a yeah. as a musician, you do more practicing than you do performing, and that's mm-hmm. just a way of life. And I was practicing real hard, and then I went out of town and got beat, and I couldn't figure out what had happened. I was I was astonished. I was like, well, "Wait a second! I've got this card that says I'm a grandmaster. Can't I just give give that to them at the match and and just take the trophy <laughs> home? Can I just?" <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it doesn't work like that, and um. There, there was a mental component to that and there was a technical component to that. And then I wrote the second book uh, principles of performance. And then, uh, so that one is, Hey, I'm a grandmaster. How come I can't win every match I go to that introduces the mental game that introduces all the other things besides standing there and shooting. I was really good at standing there and shooting, but I wasn't very good at everything else. I didn't know any better. Cause remember I was winning locally. So I didn't know there was anything else to do. Um, it wasn't until I got beat that I started to figure that out. And then I had a couple of mental epiphanies and a couple of shooting epiphanies. And then I wrote Get to Work, which Arik Levy describes as my manifesto, which makes me feel evil for some reason to have a manifesto. <laughs> Most people that have manifestos are not very nice, but at any rate, um, I wrote that book and then uh here we are today. Been yeah, doing you- the podcast for seven years and just loving it.
0: You writing those books inspired me to the point that I actually wrote my own book. Hmm. So those were the okay. first books I ever read in shooting. I have read pretty much every book out there at this point. But yeah, the, that really inspired me. I, I read what you wrote and thought, well, I can do this. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I've, I've, I've seen your book at a couple of client homes. Uh, my big joke is that you and I have slept in the same bed many times, just never at the same time.
0: Right. <laughs> and, uh, That's so the, true, though, because want stay with the host family.
1: It is, yeah. <laughs> you know, Bora, Bora Angel and his beautiful bedroom down there at the end of the hall, the the haunted mansion in the in the Poconos. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you did you touch the AC at Joe Draghi's house, or did you leave that alone because you don't want to? I touched
0: that. it and I got in trouble.
1: Mm-hmm. Same as me. <laughs> 72 what do you think we're made of money <laughs> oh my goodness
0: yes yeah we stay at this, a lot of the same places
1: but yeah so- this, this has been great and, and and thank you so much i i i saw your book and i thought it was really well put together very professional um well, thank a you. lot of good photographs i i never wanted to go through all that extra trouble of nice glossy pictures um granted i yeah, don't i don't I don't photograph I don't as well as you is, do
2: I, I, I don't read. I, I, I look at pictures. That's how I learn things. So I have your uh, book. But I just can't read it. I, can't, I didn't read Kira's book either. I just looked at pictures. Um, so. <laughs> hey, you,
1: you know, you pay your money, you get your book, you, you do what you want to do with it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Not that. Um, but yeah, that, that's kind of how I learn it, is basically visual, more the visual side of things.
1: And
0: that's why I included the pictures is because of the different learning styles.
1: Well, and and one of the other things about my book, especially in the beginning, I didn't know if what I was doing was correct. I just knew it was working. Right. And what I was so afraid of was me standing there, holding my gun. And like Rob Latham was the guy that I imagined saying he's doing everything wrong. And I, maybe (laughs) I was, maybe I wasn't. I just knew it was working. Right. And that comes from guitar playing. There's guitar player, uh, Albert King played a right-handed guitar upside down because he couldn't find a left-handed guitar. You can tell him he's wrong. I'm not, you know? So I was just, mm-hmm. in, in, anytime something works, I just keep doing it. If it doesn't work, I do something different.
0: Exactly. So what can you tell me about the invention of dry fire?
1: Well, okay. Um, the The guy at the gun store, that was running the bowling pin match, he said to me, a little dry fire might help. And I said, What's dry fire? And I had I had heard dry or I had read about dry fire in Bearish gun magazines because remember I was preparing for a gunfight. So I had every gun magazine all stacked up and I would occasionally see dry fire mentioned, but it was really boring. And I just thought, well that's dumb. I'll just go to the range and shoot. And then my buddy Vern he said anything that you can do or that you need to be able to do that doesn't require a bullet leaving the barrel you can do in your basement. So I started thinking about all the different things I could do Um, at the bowling pin matches. I only ever had trouble with the first shot. If I could get the first shot off, I was golden, but I would occasionally miss the first shot. So just as, as any musician would, or any other performer, if I'm having trouble with this particular part of this performance, I'm going to work on that. And so I would literally go from a low ready to a Xerox bowling pin, low ready, Xerox bowling pin, low ready. I would do that for 20, 20 minutes a night. And that's when I started winning the bowling pin match. And then once I understood that you're supposed to shoot everything but the white ones, I started looking at all right, what does this sport require me to do? And because I was interested in becoming a grand, well, I, should, I was. Time the vast majority of the classifiers were some version of six reload six Um, for for sure. The ones that I saw on, on a monthly basis, there obviously were others, but the match directors tended to set up the ones that were easy to set up. So most of them were some version of six reload six. So I came to conclusion that if I could shoot six accurate shots quickly reload and do that again, I could be a grandmaster. And that's the cornerstone of those 12 drills as anybody who has the book knows. And of course the classifier system has changed a bunch. And I fully support that by the way. Um, I would prefer that the classifiers were 90% movement as opposed to 10 to 15, 20% movement. That'd be my preference. Um, I I would enjoy that. (laughs) 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 I wouldn't have got beat when I got out of town. If the classifiers weren't all stand and shoot you know, Uh and when, when people call somebody a paper master, a paper grandmaster, that really gets under my skin because those folks normally don't have GM cards when they make that, when they make that uh, disparaging remark, oh, so-and-so is just paper GM. Well, if, if, if you don't like a paper GM, then you need to change the classification system, which I totally support. I'm a hundred percent. All I'm saying is within the current confines of the classification system that we have, A grandmaster is a grandmaster. It's as simple as that.
0: Okay. So you have a dry fire class that you teach. Can you tell me about that?
1: Sure. What I call that is a dry fire tune-up. We do that. I just did one yesterday uh, via Skype, typically. Um, And what I've learned is I, I went through great pains to write that book in such a way that it would make sense to anybody. Um, one of one of the marks of a great writer is a third grader should be able to pick it up and read it mm-hmm. just as well as a sixty year old person. You know, I just assume that the, that the the person reading the book knows nothing, and so that way everything gets explained. Now you have to actually read it, Grant, for that to work. <laughs> <laughs> There's no pictures. I looked at the cover and like for some reason it didn't get better. <laughs> but in in the oh the other thing is the other reason for the drive power tune up is. There's not a lot of technical recommendations in refinement repetition. There's not a lot of stand this way, hold this way, do. Cause remember I was afraid Rob Latham would read it and go, you're wrong. You're stupid <laughs> and your book is dumb. I didn't know. Um, so in the dry fire tune-up, I'm able to make a lot more technical recommendations for a lot of things that I've learned, you know, things like if, if we lock the elbows, that can be a problem for wide transitions. So if you're having trouble with wide transitions, look at your elbows. And also um, the way the
0: gun recoils. Sure.
1: But now there's only one guy dumb enough to shoot like that, and that's Bob Vogel, you know? So again, I'm not going to say Bob Vogel's wrong because it's working very well for him.
0: Why? Why is it today that in
2: every episode yeah, Bob this Vogel is the is second time up?
1: Bob Vogel has come up. Well, so We know his age now, so he's a great example of somebody who does things that work really well for Bob Vogel. Um, he does things
0: very differently,
1: Yeah, but it works. Right. I haven't, he's Albert King playing the thing upside down. It's fine. Mm -hmm. But I have a 90, 10 rule. You know, I'm going to show people what works best for 90% of the shooters that I've worked with. This is what works best for them. If you want to do something different, make sure it's working because Lanny Basham says 90% of people are doing something and you're not, and you're having success. You're an innovator. If 90% of people are doing something and you're not, and you're not having success, you're not an innovator. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so that's where we start. We start with what works for 90%. And, and any, any time somebody disagrees, like, like if I ask somebody to load the gun a little further out, and they don't want to, I'll just start my timer and go show me the point nine reload and we can move on. But if you want a 0.9 reload and you're loading the gun back here, that's going to be an obstacle. It can mm-hmm. be overcome, but it is going to be an obstacle.
0: Yeah. So Tell me some more about your mental management program. Mm-hmm.
1: So everybody knows Lanny Basham. I hope. Does everybody know Lanny Basham? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'll give you I this. I really book. tried to read his book.
0: That was the second, after reading your series, that was the next book I picked up.
1: Yeah. So. With winning that, in mind. Such a great yeah. book. Um, Travis Tomasi was my uh, pen pal guardian angel anytime i didn't know what to do i would email travis tomasi and i would just do what he told me to do i did so i saved experimenting with 17 different powders and four different bullet weights i just said travis i have a caspian you shoot a caspian what do i do he goes try these two powders pick the one you like the best and do that stay with a 124 grain bullet got it and one of the recommendations he made was to read with winning in mind and i absolutely loved the first third of that book and i thought wow Lanny Basham has got a picture of me on his desk. He knows what I'm going through. And then you get about three quarters of the way through and there's a lot of big words and Grant would never make it that far. (laughs) (laughs) So the mental program back then had five steps. Uh, Now there's only three, but point of attitude and point of direction, point of focus, point of attention, point of alignment. I just want to shoot. And I didn't because I'm not aware of a sport that scored the same way USPSA is like, I'm not aware of a bowling event. That's timed. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not because of the duality of, of, of the scoring. I didn't know what to think about. I couldn't yeah. couldn't figure it out. When I picked speed, it was great until we scored the targets. And When I picked accuracy, it was great until I got my time. I thought, how, how am I going to get this right? When I discovered shot calling, and truly understood what that meant because I misunderstood shot calling for at least seven years but once I understood shot calling and that became my focus I could get up any day and shoot according to my level of skill and then my go ahead I'm sorry
0: for our our viewers do you want to explain shot calling a little bit
1: three minute version 13 or 30 you got to pick one 30 30 second version (laughs) okay we don't have a lot of time all right (laughs) Well, my, my time is virtually unlimited, so I'm, I'm not on a time constraint unless you guys. Oh, but. we can keep going. Okay. Um, so what I thought shot calling was, was not missing. So I thought shot calling meant shooting perfect shots. I went to nationals thinking that and came in 21st at my first nationals. Not bad, but I was shooting cautious and shooting scared and shooting careful like a lot of people do when they go to nationals for the first time, especially if your first time at nationals is on the dang super squad and Saul Kirsch is filming it. You better not <laughs> screw this one up. You better not screw this one up. So I was careful and cautious and scared. Um, what was funny about that one is we shot the production nationals after that. And because I didn't have anything invested in production at that time, I was shooting really well. And Dave Savizni says to me, I've been waiting to see you shoot like that all day long. That's how Anderson shoots, and I was like, "Wow, Dave Svidzny, that was so cool." Because he was the production hero at yeah, that time.
0: He was huge at that time.
1: Yeah, he was the man. Um, and uh, the, so, shot calling. Sorry, Dave Svidzny. <laughs> I thought it was not missing, and what I was doing was slowing down to get my hits, and that's a big mistake people make, especially if they have a bunch of mics. I right, start slow down and get my hits. Well, that's better than rush, try, hurry, but not by much. And when I discovered that shot calling, all it means is knowing where the bullet's going to go the instant the gun fires. That's what it means. And if you shoot perfectly, you'll never learn to see it because you never make a mistake. But everybody knows what a bad shot looks like. They just don't know to do anything about it. I call that the ding fairy, right? The poppers here, my sights are over here. Boom. Boom well, that's weird. I don't hear a ding. (laughs) If your sights are over here and the poppers over here, you're not going to get a ding from the ding fairy. But when, and then, so then I learned, I don't need to slow down to shoot accurately. I just need to watch the gun go off and make a correction if one is required. And that is so huge for the mental game because it gives you one thing to do. Mm -hmm. And what's cool about that is, That not only allows everything to be subconscious, but that forces everything to be subconscious. When you're watching the gun go off, you can't be thinking about your feet. When you're excited about seeing that dot on target, you can't think about your draw, right? What's the worst thing we can do to a subconscious skill?
0: Make it conscious.
1: (laughs) Think, Think about it. Think about it. Yeah, the worst thing you can do to a subconscious skill is to think about it. But when we begin to feel pressure, that's frequently what we do. We start. I call it micromanaging the minutia of the stage, Mm -hmm. right? And nobody got time for that. And it'll never be a good performance. Um, Every time they put that meme up with the with the men in black pen, and it says, you know, your stage plan disappears when the buzzer goes off. Man, I get my thumbs going because it doesn't have to be that way. But if you're thinking about stage plan, if you're thinking about technique, if you're thinking about your feet or anything else you're not going to shoot very well because the conscious Mm -hmm. mind can only process one of those thoughts at a time. Right. It can probably up to four per second, maybe eight per second, but only one at a time. Right. Right. And understanding that and getting keys to, to, to getting subconscious skill unlocked. That's why I love mental management so much. It is the owner's manual for the human mind, Under pressure. And I love
0: that.
1: It can be used for anything. Anything. If if if, gosh, if you're a nurse, if you're an accountant, if you if you work in an auto-repair, it doesn't matter what you do, right? Everybody does their best work when they have strategy, skill, and confidence. If one of those three is missing, we're going to struggle. And mental management teaches you to acquire strategy, skill, and confidence.
0: I have a student in Texas who recently took my class, and I saw he had some issues with ADHD and focusing and mentally managing himself. So I recommended he take your class. And I know he's planning to, but I said, This is not just for shooting. I think you need this for your life.
1: And he said, Yeah, I'll
0: definitely sign up for that.
1: So I had a very special client about a week ago, and this guy suffered from what he called public anxiety. I've never heard of that before, but he shoots fine by himself. He gets in front of other people and he can't do anything because he's so worried about, worried about what they're going to think. So he goes through the class and he sent me an email this morning. He said, wow, after only three days of utilizing the mental management system, I discover I can shoot a match calm, confident, and relaxed with little anxiety. I can focus on my front sight and see what I got to see. Can't can't wait to see where this <clears throat> takes me in my shooting. He sent me the overall reser- results, and he came in third behind two nice. PCC oh, wow. shooters. So he won wow. the pistol match. Wow! Congratulations. Yeah. Yep. Because he learned to control his
2: thoughts,
0: compartmentalize. Okay.
2: Yeah, I had that That's- kind of issue as well because I wanted to get because with Kita Bus's coaching, I I wanted to get some videos of my stage, but. When I first started doing that, the minute I would take my phone, hand it to someone and say, please record me, um, the stage would be a dumpster fire. Mm-hmm. I knew it would, because I'm worried about the, the camera and how I'm going to look, because you know, it's all about the grams. Right. If you don't look it on the grounds, well, what are you doing? So, <laughs> so yeah. eventually I was able to
1: just work through that. So conscious mind can only think of one thing at a time. And I was 45 years old before I realized I can control my thoughts. Um, I suffer from uh, like a mild daily anxiety. Like I tend to worry about every little thing and learning to control my thoughts has virtually eliminated that when I identify that that's happening and make a conscious effort to control my thoughts, no more daily anxiety, right? The best question for anxiety is what do I need to do right now, right? Right. And used, what you chose was, I need to worry about this this phone and this and this uh, recording of this run. Well, that's got nothing to do with shooting well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, being learning, present. Yeah, and and taking control of those thoughts and keeping the number of conscious thoughts while we're shooting as low as possible. Zero is ideal. One is almost as good as zero, but any any number greater than one is going to be a problem while you're shooting. Mm-hmm.
0: But you can also sequence those thoughts and say, "Okay, when I get to this part of the stage, this is what I need to think about. When I get to this part of the stage, this is what I need to think about. And you kind of program your thoughts to shift from that one thing to the next one thing to the next one thing.
1: You absolutely could. My preference is for all those to be subconscious and done in visualization. (coughs) So I'm only thinking about the one thing. Um, I have talked to many shooters who who do what you're describing and have great luck with it. That's just not my preference. Right. Yeah, and everyone's different. Sure. You're a much more technical uh understander than I am. Um, remember, I'm the guy that just fiddled with the knobs till it sounded Van Halen and then called it good, you know. (laughs) So (laughs) in shooting, I do the same thing. I I fiddle with the knob until it gets to GM and I'm I'm good. Um Jay Beal from, from our team is the same as me. Whereas Mark, Sue and Gaz are much more technical, Mm -hmm. much, much, much more technical. Whereas Jay and I just fiddle with the knobs till Van Halen comes out and off we go. All
0: right. So a question for you in mental management, if I'm having trouble motivating myself to dry fire, do you have a solution for that? Of
1: course, of course, that's pay value. What you're talking about is pay value. Okay. People only do things and certainly only make changes when there's pay value. Okay. I've been trying to lose 20 pounds for six months and all that Hook they gave me in, in South Africa, that set me back eight pounds. <laughs> I got off the range in Peterson. So Hook is basically straight, straight up Budweiser. It, it's not Michelob Ultra or anything like it's straight up Budweiser. And he's handing me one every time I got off the range. Well, I'm no dummy and I'm thirsty. So sure. But the reason that I'm struggling to lose weight is pay value. I'm I'm happily married. I don't have mobility problems. I don't have a health problem. So I don't have this burning need to drop 20 pounds. Now, every time I've been single, I lose 20 pounds in two weeks because now we have pay value, right? But for happily married people, losing weight is difficult because it lacks pay value. Going back to your question, we need pay value to motivate us to dry fire. So anybody who's struggling dry fire on a regular basis doesn't want to be better, g- bad enough to do something different. It's, it's all that means. They don't, okay. and, it's, and that, that's not a criticism. That's just a fact, you know, right. um, they'd rather spend their time doing something else than getting better at shooting. It's not a criticism, but it is a fact right and okay. what what we teach in mental management is the the third portion of our standard class is called mastering self-image change well self-image is your habits and your attitudes combined with your opinion of yourself okay and habits and attitudes can be changed but it it requires pay value to make that change and identifying that pay value is critical and people people are are tend to be, tend to want to be too polite about it. Like w- one thing we do in that class is we go through the goal setting procedure. You know, somebody mm-hmm. says, "I want to be a master class shooter." Why do you want to be a master class shooter? I enjoy being proficient with my gun in a good way. BS, <laughs> BS. You want to be in the top of the top, and you want to beat people. That's what they want, but they're too polite to say it. You know, mm-hmm. the most an- the most honest answer I ever got to that question was this guy said, and he actually did it he said, I require sweet effing victory. And that was just pay value. Most people are going to be too polite to tell you that. But it's critical because without pay value, you will not make a change. You know, think about when when we're single and and we meet some new person and we're head over heels, we'll make every change in the world to our lifestyle in one day right? We'll drive an hour and a half to go on a date. We'll spend money that we don't like to spend because the pay value is so high in the early, in the early stage of that relationship, right? As relationship goes on, the pay value drops and all those changes become a lot more onerous. Gosh, do I really want to drive 90 minutes to go on a date? No, not really. Do I really want to spend a hundred bucks on a stank dinner? No, not really. Right? So pay value is the only thing that inspires change and it must be identified.
0: Okay, so first you have to identify what you want, then you have to identify why you want that thing, so you can begin to create this pay value.
1: Right, that's right. Well, the pay value inspires you to come up with the plan, right? So it's goal, pay value, now what's my plan, okay? Okay. And, and, the, and the pay value is what makes the plan work, right? Everybody let's, let's say uh, somebody wants to be a grandmaster. Okay. And even before mental management, I, I used this idea as like, what would a grandmaster do after work? He'd go dry fire. Mm-hmm. Would he sit on the couch, drink a beer and watch friends reruns? No, not unless he's on Pretorius. on Copatorius <laughs> would sit on the couch and watch friends reruns. That's for my South African friends, but a grandmaster would not. Right. I like Anko. He's such a cool dude. <laughs> He is, he, and he wins friends trivia every single time you say pivot, he's right there with you pivot. pivot, pivot. <laughs> um, but the pay value is what makes the plan stick, right? That's what makes it stick. And I, and shooting's tricky because there's not a lot of measurable pay value.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it isn't like anybody's it's diminishing driving returns. And, well, can be. Um, but there's, you know, gosh, out in my garage, I think I've got four $300 range bags from mm-hmm. that's like my prize table bounty is four really nice range bags that are covered in cobwebs. You know, I never cared. I I didn't care. I did, All I wanted was that grandmaster card. That's all I wanted. Um, that's one of the reasons why I didn't go on to be a national champion when I, because trust me, if they'd been it, If it would have been as important to me as making GM, I would have been a national champion many, many times. But after I got that grand master card, I thought, wow, this has taken all of my spare time for the last nine months. Do I really want to continue this level of of work to win a national title? And the answer was that wasn't enough pay value for me to do all that extra work. See, I, I was raised by Christian music teachers we're into excellence, not necessarily victory, if that makes sense. Now, if excellence results in victory, that's great. But the excellence is more important than the victory.
0: Grant, did you have a a question about mental management for Steve as well?
2: Yeah, I wanted to chat to you about, um, you don't necessarily say look at scores. Um, I think you're kind of against that. But so at Africa Champs, we had recently the uh, the production team was on the super squad and i recently moved over to production. Uh, got a new gun two weeks before Africa champs moved over to that. Anyway, probably not the greatest idea in the world, but I did it anyway. Cause why, why not? So I didn't have the gun in the hand a lot. So I kind of shot reserved and I shot reserved the last one. I didn't look at scores at the entire entirety of the match. Now the, the problem is, is they pushed on the, the third day, the super squad did. And I didn't, I kept reserved. If I had been in the super squad, I would have seen that, but I didn't. So I didn't look at scores either to see that that was what was happening. So I didn't push either and then ended up taking first, like 90% of the, the, the top guy, which is good for the Africa level four, but I need to, I, in my mind, I want to start looking at scores basically at the end of each day to find out where I am and what I need to do on the next day. What do you think of that in terms of mental management?
1: Sure. For starters, I never told anybody not to look at stores scores. Okay. Okay. I just want them to be aware of the risks. Okay. Most people, so self-image, right? Habits and attitudes, your opinion of yourself. This is going to be a long answer because there's like three things I want to talk about there. I had a client who was at the IDPA nationals and he decided I'm not going to look at my scores, but I'm going to see how the big boys are doing. So he's scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. He gets past the big boys and he finds his name. God, look where I'm at. I'm doing this is after day one. His self image couldn't handle it because he wasn't prepared to be there. His self image wasn't expecting him to do that well. So the self image issued a correction. Self image said, That's not you, bud. He goes up the next day and he's scared and cautious. Now he's trying to protect this lead that he's found. Didn't shoot very well. Okay, so image just issued that correction. So, looking at scores, if I'm shooting as quickly as I can see what I need to see, what am I going to do different after I look at the scores? Mm-hmm. Am I going to shoot faster than I can see what I need to see? Am I going to And the other thing is, why why am I, because I can promise you Gaz is not doing any of those things, okay? He's not pushing when he gets to the last stage. He's he's 100% from the beginning of the match to the end of the match, okay? For most shooters, pushing is a mistake. For most, there may be some that can do it. And it also depends on what you're trying to accomplish. There's a lot of American champions who don't care. I, I can think of one that I don't want to, I don't want to say their name, but I can think of one guy. He doesn't care if he's second or 22nd. When he gets to the last stage, he's going to push it as hard as he can. It Never works. Never. But he doesn't care. Cause he doesn't I know need,
0: exactly who you're talking about. <laughs> he,
1: he doesn't need another. He doesn't need a, a 37th second place trophy or a medal. He doesn't care. It's either first or he doesn't care. This the one that I'm thinking of won't even go to the awards if he if he doesn't win. Okay, so for those people, they don't have a choice but to push. But the wow. ad, and by the way, it never works. I've, I've never seen it work. Um, and uh, uh I forgot what I was going to say. But if if first or nothing, push all you want. But what happens is you're no longer shooting subconsciously, and something gets more important than what you need to see. Grant, I can promise you every bad shot that you've ever had in a match has either been sight or trigger, okay? Grip to the extent that it affects trigger or whatever, but it's really just sight or trigger. And something gets more important than sight and trigger, and that's when we have a bad shot. Okay. Okay? So what I like to teach people, I like trigger to be subconscious, okay? I haven't thought about a trigger pull in years. Okay, so I choose to think about what I'm going to see. And for me, it's so simple. You put a dot gun in my hand. When the dot's in the middle of the target, the gun goes off. If the dot's not in the middle of the target, the gun doesn't go off. And if it goes off and the dot is not in the middle when it goes off, I issue a correction. Okay, And thinking about that one thing, has, has le- oh, it's, just, it's the closest thing to magic I've ever found. But going, going back to your question. I'm not a high-level mathematical strategist, right? And a lot of folks in South Africa are really into hit factors and doing this or that. Okay, my question is: if it, if it's if if the hit factors are five, are you going to shoot faster or slower? than you can see what you need to see. Probably shouldn't Neither. shoot faster than what you can. See I've never if- seen it work. If if the hit factor is a, a, a twelve which would be the hoser stages of all hoser stages in South Africa, are you going to shoot faster or slower than you can see what you need to see? Well, it depends yeah. on the target. Yeah. Does it? Does it? And if I you mean, disagree, I, I totally want to hear about mm-hmm. it if you disagree, because there are people who, who disagree with me and I'm not if, saying if i can on put right. if, I, if I can put
2: the, the, the gun on an open target, pull the trigger twice as fast as possible and, guarantee too often and you know
1: why not i don't need
2: to necessarily see something there
1: you've seen something you you, you didn't see a perfect side picture but i promise you you saw something and if you didn't you're going to get burned very quickly you could get lucky at three meters but you won't get lucky every single time right there will be a time when, yeah. when we do our sample stage in, in in the standard sorry standard class right <laughs> Three, standard class. <laughs> st- standard class, there's there's three targets about uh one to two meters away. That's where a lot of the mics occur because somebody just got a just got a dot gun and thought they could point shoot it. Right. You can get lucky with less visual input than you need, but you'll never put a whole match together that way. Never happen. Okay. So, so I think it, on those close targets, I think you're seeing something. And iron sights are different because there's a, there's at least five levels of vision, maybe more, right? From the silhouette of the gun to to the to the serrations on the front sight. That's why I prefer in iron sights to program. I will see what I need to see because I may not be able to explain it, but you know what it is when you see it, right?
2: Yeah,
1: I'm trying to I'm trying to with an iron
2: sighted gun though. I'm trying to work on basically being 100% target focused and having the picture of the iron sights completely blurry sure. and just seen a flash of fiber.
1: Sure. R- Rob Latham was the first one to say he shoots through the sites. He didn't tell anybody because he didn't think it was right. He was kind of like me in that regard. He was doing something that he didn't think was right. He was looking through the sights at the target. If the sites are aligned on target, it doesn't really matter what you focus on and that's what you're doing. Okay. Okay.
0: So he was so- shooting target focused.
1: Um. I don't like to call it that term because that's not the term he would use. I just know that's how he explained it. Okay. Um, and I don't, I don't advocate a target focus either strictly because I don't know that it means the same thing. But I do know that if the sites are lined up on target, acceptably, it doesn't really matter what you focus on most of the time. And the neat thing about okay. a slightly more target focus is now you can see the site lift from a turn a lot better. If you have a hard front sight focus, like the hardest front sight focus, the front sight may disappear and recoil because you're so narrowly focused on it. But if you're a little bit more target focused, mm-hmm. you're going to see it lift and return a little bit better. And it makes it easier to call your shots.
0: Well, it's easier to focus on something farther away than it is to focus on something right in front of you. Your eyes are just more relaxed, focusing on something in the distance than something right in front of your face.
1: Probably in changing that focus back and forth is challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can, you can see that when we go from hoser targets to more difficult targets, the yeah, accommodation,
0: they're,
1: they're like, bah, 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 Oh, Holy moly. And then they, they, it takes them a while to kind of change that focus. Right. Um, so that's how do you why I Especially the, the
0: older you get.
2: <laughs> sure. Go ahead, I man. Mean, I'm, I'm pretty young. So, I guess. Um, so how do you compete against the super squad? when you're not in the super squad
1: so that's a very interesting question i think the biggest benefit from being on the super squad would be having access to their stage plans yeah right um because at least on our super squad everybody tends to shoot the stage pretty much the same way um very rarely have i seen one super squad or do something completely different um and that case was interesting because this particular shooter Acted like he was going to do it the way everybody else was, and did it totally different, <laughs> which I was pretty. I know who you're talking about. <laughs> I, I, I thought that was a pretty cool strategy. Uh, I thought that was pretty neat. But that would be the the biggest benefit would be uh, having access to all those stage plans, um, and then the potential upside of being away from the super squad is maybe a little less pressure. If 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 somebody's bothered by pressure, being away from that could be an advantage.
0: Some people are also
1: motivated by that pressure. They actually perform better under pressure. Well, that's kind of like the. Sorry, that is an X. Sorry, I get I get I get so excited talking about this stuff. Right. (laughs) All pressure does is amplify whatever you're thinking about. Okay, if I know exactly what to do and I've done it a bajillion times and I'm 100% competent pressure gives me more of all of that but if i'm anxious worried nervous or scared pressure gives me more anxiety more worry more scared and that goes back to controlling thoughts okay if we can control our thoughts pressure will make us perform much much better but if we're afraid of it guess what gets guess what gets magnified fear yeah right
2: yeah, so yeah. at the at the Nationals at the beginning of the year, I kind of shot reserve because there was a lot of hard targets and I wasn't confident on those in the super squatting standard and mm-hmm. didn't, didn't do too well, didn't do terribly, didn't do too well. Now, recently changed guns. Yeah, I shot reserve and I think it was a good plan because only spending, basically, I got the gun on Thursday, shot an indoor club, she so was 40 rounds. Saturday, shot a level two. Tuesday, I actually got the gun dry fired with it Wednesday, Thursday, I uh, was practicing at a range and then went and shot a epic level four with it. So I think reserved was the best plan with that, but I don't necessarily want that to become a habit in my, my mental game.
1: Sure. I, so that's, that's a different case. That's taking a brand new car to an old racetrack, right? You've got, uh, this is a little different, you know? Um, and I just, my preference would be let's not ever consciously control speed. Let's train at the limit of human function. Then let's let our eyes be in control of the trigger and conscious, conscious control of speed. I have never had a good result with conscious control of speed, but I have, I've had tons of great results with just let you literally when I'm doing it right there's a direct link between my eye and my trigger finger and my brain is not involved. It bypasses the brain completely. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. I'm literally just watching. So the at game this game. last <clears> one, <throat> yeah, this last match, I decided, okay, well, I know where reserved is. I know exactly where to find that. This last match, I kind of went a little bit overboard. I went, you know, let's find out where the wheels fall off. Let's, let's go get those mics. Let's go get the no shoots let's just go for speed and run it as fast as possible to find where that is so i can find kind of the the 100 the line where i don't kind of fall off and die so we're we talking about competition or training right now competition okay. i went to it was a level level two uh um, okay. level two with the new gun so kind of like let's find where the wheels fall off let's find that limit at a competition and then i can
1: train around finding the balance between the two would you like my opinion on that yeah i would rather you do that in training and have those experiments learn those lessons in in training um todd jarrett tried to tell me when i first started he said it was the first front site magazine that's our uspsa journal and the quote was if you're not missing in practice you're not pushing hard enough and my response to that was i don't know i don't know who todd jarrett is but he's an idiot (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> because I read that as you need to practice missing. Well, that's not what he's saying.
0: No.
1: He's he's doing what you're doing, but he's doing it in training. Mm-hmm. He's pushing himself harder and harder. And there's gonna be likes <laughs> when you do that. Mm-hmm. My preference would be let's do that in training. Let's not do that in competition. But some people are yeah, stove yeah. touchers. You might be a stove toucher. You know?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Hey you know is it is it on or not let's just find out no um but also in in train, like before I get to a major match, I sort to tone it down and basically only really shoot offers and charlies. Okay. I don't necessarily go to that let's start missing uh, before a major match, like two or three weeks before I start to just sure. rein it in a bit a little bit
1: perfect we call I call that match mode practice, and the way the way I like to see people do that is find somebody of similar skill to, to practice with and your score is your raw time. As long as there's not a Delta. Okay? okay. That is a phenomenal way to learn, to shoot what you see because against somebody of similar skill, slowing down is not an option, right? Mm-hmm. You can't, if you'd have gotten and do this with gas, right? You would not be able to slow down and have any hopes of, of beating him, but you can't necessarily go fast either because a Delta means your run is dis- disqualified, doesn't even count for score. Yeah. And when, when we do this, it's fascinating. People start wanting to win by shooting two Charlies on purpose. And, and guess what happens? Shoot dollars. Right. That's right. And then they go, well, that's not going to work. So then they go, okay, well, I just need to tighten up my green zone. Green zone is what I call an acceptable shot. Okay. Typically, once, once they do that, the alpha count goes through the roof. And the winner of of these events normally has vast majority of alphas because Charlie is too close to a Delta to be acceptable, but I can't slow down, right? So we learn to see what we need to see without consciously slowing down. Yeah, that makes sense. That's... That is, the, that's why I love to work with fast shooters who are sloppy, oh, give me <laughs> give me every sloppy fast shooter you can and I'll make them champions, right, because they don't want to slow down, but they don't have to, all they have to do is make the, make the sight picture more important than the barking squirrel, it's all they have to do and now those people are interesting because they need to win with that before they trust it. If, if, if you're out there working with them one-on-one, they do something in eight seconds, we don't know if eight seconds is good or not. But if they beat seven <clears throat> other people of similar skill by a couple of seconds doing that, now they understand it. And uh, that's
0: why, that's really why classes are so important. I know a lot of people want to do one-on-one training. Joe Draghi was one of these guys where he wanted to do one-on-one training, which is great, but you need that relativity. You need it into perspective you need other people there to push you and that's why I like the class setting of well for me I have about eight people in a class what do you have in your classes max of 10 yeah so I think that's a really good number so they can push each other challenge each other and have numbers to compare with rather than one-on-one lessons
1: the other phenomenal thing that happens and I'm sure you see this maybe more than I do but when we do a movement exercise, it's usually not the youngest, most physically fit person that, that wins. Sometimes it is, but it's usually not the 20 year old great shape. Cert- they are certainly not the ones that, that have the most gains. Those guys might pick up two ten something like that, but you give me somebody who's 55 years old and overweight, and we cut his movement time in half compared to everybody. Else. Oh, it's so exciting. I love it so mm-hmm. much. Yeah, it's so gratifying.
0: So what, tell us about all the classes, the different types of classes you teach.
1: I I have, so I'm <coughs> like, I don't know how to put this. There's There's a basic, there's a standard class and then there's an advanced class. They're really not that much different, but the advanced class has a pretty important criteria, okay? A 10 yard popper needs to be an easy shot. If you want to do the advanced class, right? If, if we can't hit a 10 yard popper on demand every single time, then you won't be able to take advantage of all the goodness in the, in the more advanced class.
0: Right. Right.
1: Um, I don't really like to put a classification level on it. B class is pretty good if we have to pick one, Uh, but I've seen a lot of C class shooters who can do it too. Um, because a lot of times classification reveals more about mental game than it does technical skill, but that's right. That's, but yeah, we so basically what what we get is you get seventeen years of experience in two days, in, in 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 the basic class, in the advanced class, you get seventeen years of experience, but we do fewer exercises and a lot more reps. Um, that's the other thing that I learned in mental management or had reinforced, I should say, is that a hundred acceptable reps are way better than 10 perfect reps. And a lot of people get hung up on perfect reps and they don't get enough of them for it to be subconscious. But if we can get a thousand acceptable reps of some new technique, that is money in the bank compared to 10 perfect reps, which is virtually useless. If you want a subconscious performance. Yeah. And also, so type a resists that, right? Type a is like, wow, if I can't do it perfectly, then I can't do it. Mm -hmm. My (laughs) response to that is when you're watching your sights, your body's going to do whatever your body's going to do. And you can think about your feet. You can think about your elbows. You can think about your grip, but your shooting is going to suffer in competition. Right? So in training, let's identify what works. Let's get as many acceptable reps as we possibly can. And then let's trust those reps in competition and just shoot the gun. Well, you're
0: That's also going to learn the- a lot more from a mic than you are from an alpha in practice.
1: Well, so what's interesting about that is a lot of times we, we, we get a mic, but we get something so extraordinary on, on the physical side. Best example would be if somebody's never done a one second first shot. Okay, I'm gonna stand there until they do, and I don't care if it's a mic or not. as long as it's a safe shot under a second, I don't care. i I had a lady in Texas hug me. She hugged me so much it made me uncomfortable. I had to get her husband over. It's like i need a I need a hugging stand in because if this picture gets out, I'm gonna be in big trouble, right? So she was so overjoyed she'd never fired a shot under a second. I don't remember if it was an alpha chart. I I truly don't care if we've never done that. We, our body needs to know what it feels like to do that Mm -hmm. before we can look at the target.
0: It's It's just like in swimming, when they put the swimmers in the, whatever it's called, where they have like a fake current. So they feel how it feels to swim that fast. And they have to feel that before they can actually do it.
1: Right. Right. Racers, people that race motor vehicles, they have to crash a vehicle to find out what it can do. They have to, right? And going back to what you were saying, Grant, um, there may be people who can push and get a little extra, but those people are very rare. And I think what's more likely to happen is I think pressure gets their self-image and that's what propels them more so than conscious effort. Okay. okay. Um, and that's, that's the power of self-image, right? I can think of a, of a top shooter, who zeroed a stage at nationals, okay? And this this guy, he won everything, but he wasn't known for winning a lot of stages, right? He zeroed this stage and his self-image kicks in and goes, you win this match every year. You have the longest string of national titles that currently exists. You're going to win this one too. And he came back and won every stage after that, okay? Because remember, self-image puts you where you're comfortable, not necessarily where you want to be. If you're a multi-time national champion and you make a mistake, your self-image requires you to win that match. And that is what I believe propels people to to shoot so well instead of conscious effort. I know what happens when we we put conscious effort on it. It's not very good.
0: So have you heard about um, drawing a, a picture of yourself or just imagining standing on the podium in first place, visualizing the sounds, the smells, everything around you? exactly exactly how it would be what's your take on that
1: so that is preparing the self-image for something that we want okay that's the same thing as if we're on a diet putting up a picture of ourselves in a bathing suit when we're skinnier right you're reprogramming the self-image to be what you want instead of what you currently are most people uh you have more more insight on into this person than i do obviously i remember a story about a guy who won his first nationals and wasn't on the super squad Mm -hmm. and had no idea he was winning his first nationals until his buddies told him. And then his hands start shaking. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that's because his self-image wasn't prepared to win nationals. He probably thought he was going to do pretty well, but he probably didn't expect to win. Right now that doesn't mean that you can win by expecting to win. But what it does mean is if you're not expecting to win your self-image could pull you away from it. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. And, but but so remember- So it's not,
2: also not a self overconfidence over thing as well. Like imagine yourself on the podium, like, oh yeah, you know, I'll win it easily. So I don't need to shoot as well. It's not like an overconfidence thing.
1: Sure. Overconfidence is only a problem if it exceeds strategy and skill. Okay. Okay. Those are the three pieces, right? I have never. Let's see. I'm a I'm a very 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 confident person, okay. But if I go shoot an archery match tomorrow, I don't have enough confidence to to win an archery match because I don't have any strategy, I don't have any skill, okay. But if I practice my butt off in archery, and I and I know exactly what the wind's doing, I know everything I need to know, and then I see a shooter who I think is going to beat me, it's it's. It's over because I don't have the confidence to get access to my skill. Confidence by itself won't do it, but <clears> without <throat> confidence, you'll never get access to subconscious skill. Never. Okay. Are you single or married grant? I'm single. Yeah. Okay. Have you ever noticed that the hotter the girl is that you're talking to, the harder it is to form a complete sentence. Yeah, a little bit, to be honest. That's exactly right. Right, That's exactly right. Because you lack the confidence. You think she's out of your league. So you don't have the confidence to talk to her. So you don't get access to subconscious skill. Okay. But if you believe that she's in your league or you're in her league or vice versa, whatever you want to call it, it's no problem to talk to her. No problem.
0: It is so weird that you said that. Because in the book that I'm writing right now, I say, I even use the same example of <laughs> someone who's a four landing a ten.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I actually used that example for self-image. Sure, That's crazy. Because,
1: and uh, without going too too far down that road, we know that women respond to confidence.
0: Uh-huh.
1: We know. I don't hundred percent know why they do, but I know that when you talk to a girl with confidence, Swatier. sure. The doors swing wide open. And you can't fake it, by the way, because they can spot that. Now, the the magic question is, how do we build confidence? Do you know the answer to that, Grant? Uh, Practice, practice, practice. You're right. By (laughs) succeeding. You're absolutely right. Confidence is past success predicting future success. That's what confidence is. However, if we don't acknowledge success, we don't get confidence. This is why type a struggles and struggles and struggles type a requires perfection. So anything less than, than perfection is failure. So, so now I have past failure predicting future failure. That's not very awesome, but if I have past success, predicting future success, I'm golden. If I have strategy and if I have skill. Okay? Okay. Those are the three pieces that mental management gives me. Okay. Mental management teaches you to control your thoughts. In competition, those thoughts are primarily restricted to strategy. It teaches you to acquire subconscious skill, which everybody knows. Okay. But then the self-image piece is the most important one because you're never going to win until you believe you can. Right. Okay. It's never going to happen. And if you believe you're going to lose, that works really well. Super, Mm -hmm. super good. Okay. I've been losing basically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and and what I love about this stuff is like this I, I was that, that letter that I read you earlier, this client and I had a really strong connection because we both suffer from anxiety. Um, and I wanted desperately to help him control his thoughts. So for him to write me that letter was just wonderful. Because have you ever experienced uh either of you shooting better in practice than you do in competition? Of course. Yeah. yeah. It's easy in practice. I'm all alone.
2: There's no one else to compete against. I'm right. always the winner. Right.
0: <laughs> I the, always win at practice.
1: <laughs> yes, because I'm, I'm always the only one there. The, the vast majority of top shooters shoot far better in competition than they do in practice. Okay. The vast majority. Maybe not everybody, but the vast majority.
0: Well, they're also Unless, making their practice harder than the competition.
1: At that level, they better be. Yeah, yeah. Lanny says train hard so you can compete easy. Mm-hmm. You know. Um and you you might find this interesting, Grant. What do you think Lanny Basham identified as the right amount of effort, mental effort, to win the Olympics? Oh heavens. If I read this book, I probably would know. Um it's not in the book. Is it not in the book? Okay, good. You have to pay Lanny a bunch of money on an ongoing basis (laughs) to hear these stories. It's very expensive. (laughs) Is it?
2: Okay, maybe.
1: Okay, well, I'll just throw a number, 20%. Okay. The right amount of mental effort to win the Olympics is pretty close to let's just have fun today. Really? How much confidence would be required to go to a level four and say, let's just have fun today?
2: That's a lot of confidence right there.
1: That's That's the power of of, confidence. Correct. That's the power of self-image. When you have enough confidence, I I have a very dear friend uh, who who wants a national title, and he hasn't allowed himself to believe that he can do it. He wants it really bad, but but when it's close, his lack of belief that he deserves that title. Causes him to overtry. And the conscious mind wakes up and says, okay, you're not good enough to win this title, but your best chance is to let me, the conscious mind, shoot the gun. So all those hours of practice have disappeared. And it's like we literally, you know. <laughs> but when we believe that we deserve a national title, that's when turbocharges your training and you get access to subconscious skill. The worst feeling in the world is practicing harder and shooting worse, right? Doesn't that suck? Yeah. Yeah. Practicing more when you have a mental game problem is like doing sit-ups for a head wound, right? It's literally like, oh my gosh, I've had an accident and I've stabbed myself in the head. What should I do? I know, (laughs) sit-ups. Sit-ups are not good treatment for a head wound. And practicing more when you have a mental game problem is the same thing. All the practice in the world won't solve a mental problem. And if our practice is causing our confidence to diminish, now we're making the problem worse.
0: So what is your solution for someone who is doubting their abilities? Maybe they didn't perform as well at a major match as they had hoped or where they set their goals.
1: Sure. First thing we have to do there is identify the problem. Was it mental or was it technical? Okay. Mm. If it's mental, then we need to do, a, we need to do a, several things. If it's technical, it's just as simple as solving the problem, right? Whatever that opportunity is, let's go fix it. That's the easiest one to fix. You know. Somebody loses a national title because of a strong hand, weak hand, and they just don't have the skill, that's a piece of cake, okay? Mm-hmm. If it's mental, we got to figure out what their process is. There are a lot of shooters who are what we call, what I call, unconscious competent okay they can perform pretty well under pressure but they don't know how they do it and they can't tell you how they do it okay and then the problem with that is if anything goes wrong they don't have a recipe okay those guys need everything to go their way most of the time now if their self-image is strong enough if they believe that's their title then not much can can derail them But if they find themselves in second or third, they don't know what to do. Okay. I think something like that may have happened at our most recent nationals. Somebody's used to winning, finds out he's not winning, doesn't really know what to do. Okay. So mental management teaches you what to do. So we have a process. I I went on so long, I forgot. Oh, yes. Bad performance. Let's find out, was it mental or was it technical? Okay. In your example, it was probably mental. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Okay, And it was probably caused by some shooting that went really well and some shooting that didn't go very well. Right. Right. So what causes inconsistent shooting?
0: Mm, Lack of visualization.
1: Um, That can be a problem. What causes (laughs) inconsistent shooting is inconsistent thinking. Okay. So they probably had their ducks in a row on some of these stages and then their ducks got out of the row. Well, if they don't know what order the ducks are supposed to be in, they don't know if they're going to row or not. The other thing that happens is people tend to be an expert in their worst shooting. And they're not an expert in their best shooting. I want people to be an expert in their very best shooting.
0: So they can replicate it.
1: Exactly. What, uh, what am I thinking about before the match? When I shoot my best, what am Oh, Grant, let's do it with you. When you have the best stage of your life what are you thinking about five minutes before you shoot
2: i'm just visualizing the stage not really thinking about anything to be honest with you i'm just thinking about where i need to back my activation sequences on the stage where i'm going to go
1: so you're focused on strategy okay you're formulating strategy for the task that's really all we need to be doing prior to competing if we're thinking about something besides that it's probably an error Okay. okay. When the timer went off, what were you thinking about?
2: Uh, to be honest, nothing. Just seeing the
1: sights, I guess. Like Whoa! Are you telling me? that? <laughs> right, let me just make sure this is right. I may be able to learn something from you. Are you telling me that you had the best edge of your life by strategizing it over and over and over again and then just watching your sights? Is the sights on my spot on the target. Ding, 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 ding. Now, what prevents us from doing that every single time?
0: Mental errors. Yeah,
2: I think it's also unconfidence in maybe a a part of the strategy. Mm -hmm. Am I going to the right spots? Am I going to the right activator position? Am I going to engage the activators
1: in the right sequence? Right. Lack of confidence will destroy all of that. It'll destroy all of it because now you're making decisions instead of watching the sights. Now you're, that, that's what I call uh, future tense shooting, okay? Well, oh, I got these three guys here, but I'm really worried about that. Ah, bro, oh, no, <laughs> right? Everybody's had that happen to them, you know? But, so that's the power of controlling your thoughts, okay? Keeping that number of active thoughts while you're shooting as low as possible. We can't promise zero, but we can for sure promise one. Okay. And what you did was you got a subconscious stage plan and you restricted your thoughts to one thing and you got a great result. One issue with that is stove touchers sometimes want more than that. Okay. stove toucher. Sometimes (laughs) a guy will do that and he'll get a great result. And then he goes, wow, that worked really well. What if I do that again, but go a little faster?
2: Well, exactly. What if I'd run that different stage plan? I would have shaved off a second or two. But what it doesn't, if I hadn't?
1: It doesn't, work that it doesn't work that way. Okay. You guys use practice score to score your matches, right?
2: Uh, at the majors, we're going to be using ESS. So, but yeah, most of the, the club matches in there are still practice score.
1: Okay. When, when they put in the scores, is the machine ever going to start flashing perfect score, perfect score, perfect score? Oh,
2: what, and, 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 and Ding and some dancing girls come around and the pom-poms and that? No,
1: they don't do that. It's not going to happen. There's no such thing as a perfect score. Outside of there's a couple of standard exercises, blah, blah, blah. USPSA IPSC does not have a perfect score. And your confidence is eroding because you're looking for something that doesn't exist. Okay, take a great run and put that in the confidence bank. And instead of saying that wasn't perfect, that wasn't perfect, that wasn't perfect, I'm a disaster. Let's go shoot the next stage.
2: <laughs> I mean, pretty much, yeah, that's what I do. But it's, it's how's it working what out for you? How's
1: it working out? Not working you? out. Not working out that great, to be honest. <clears throat> so, are you open to a change? Of course, yeah, Everyone's open to a change. Yeah, I'm just I'm, remember 90 10. There are people out there who do really well under pressure, but they can't explain it to you. You ever seen the video where Eric Grafell, uh got nicked by Bob Vogel on a, on a pro am stage? Uh, yeah. Uh, just... When they went to the shoot off, it's like Eric had never shot a I have a lot of respect for Eric Grafell. Okay. I'm just using this to illustrate what, what, what happens. His self image takes a beating because this isn't supposed to happen. And now he loses the ability to shoot a 10 yard popper. Remember how many extra shots he fired? Yep. Right. That's an example of conscious override. Well, I just got beat for the first time in forever. I better put the hammer down. Mm. Okay. Old Bob's just ding, 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 ding. He's got a process. Okay. If we can focus on a process instead of a result, we're in so much more control. But if we think about a result, that's out of our control. We can't control it so why why spend any effort thinking about it now if we want a result that's fine say okay i want this result what do i need to do that i can control to make that result more likely you won't answer that question with go as fast as possible because you know that doesn't work sometimes you get lucky you
2: know 10 percent of the time <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it doesn't
1: it doesn't work. to win every blackjack hand you ever played. Would you would you go trust luck at Las Vegas? Oh no, no, definitely not. not. That's what I'm giving you, bud. I'm trying to give you a plan to win it. To, so every hand you deserve to win. Right, you can't do it without skill. But there's nothing worse because I was there. They put me on the super squad at my first nationals, and I'm thinking, I don't even deserve to be in the bathroom next to those guys, let alone <laughs> shooting with them. Right? Because I didn't believe I belonged there. I thought USPS Air was playing a trick on me. You know? This guy wrote a book. Let's go see what he can do. Well, I showed him. All right. I came in 21st by shooting scared and nervous. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, guys, I don't mean to run away with this. I just get excited. No, no, this is this is this is golden. Battery is I didn't realize my computer wasn't plugged in.
0: There we go. But
2: you know what? This is this is gold. Okay, so process and don't try and don't try and put the hammer down when you see them shooting well, because you're just going to
1: make a mess. Well, so that's, that's a very interesting example because you don't really know what they're doing, right? You're yeah. not there. You think they're pushing. And, and maybe if you know these guys, maybe they are, but you don't know that for a fact. you like, you don't, they didn't have a meeting. All right, guys, last stage with the super squad. Let's put the hammer down. Time to go fast. Probably not, but we don't know what's happening if, if, if we're not there, right? Yeah. Has, has somebody recommended to you that, that you push really hard the third day to see what happens?
2: No, not necessarily. Um, I was squatted with a, a really good um, production optics. Oh well, no, we're not squatted with him, but he was a squad ahead of me. Really good production optics shooter. And we were basically, he was the only, because we were so far in the back, you know, squad 15 and 16 uh, and all the super squads is one, two and three, as you know. So we were the only two that can really bounce stage ideas, stage plans, and really bounce like results off of each other. And he re- he did the whole okay. Well, on the third day, I'm just gonna push on thing, push ahead, and uh, he recommended that I do the same, but I didn't. Is that Dylan? Yes, that is Dylan actually. And he actually won production optics okay. at
1: the level four. On, on the strength of his last day? On the strength of his first couple of days or everything? On the strength
2: on? of his last day. Because okay. I we, the way he was shooting, I was shooting better than him, even though he had a DOS on the first two days. And then on the last day, he basically just cleaned,
1: cleaned up. He turned it up. Did he yeah. go from 90 to 100 or 100 to 110? I'm not 100% sure on that. Okay. If he had a really great day, he may have gone from 90 to 100 as opposed to from 100 to 110. Because 110 is where the mics are. So if he didn't have a bunch of mics, then he probably got to 100 instead of instead of 110. He does have a mic or two on the, on the third day.
0: Okay. You know, I have an observation about this. You guys are not used to shooting three-day matches that are like a marathon. So for no. all of you guys, it was sort of a mental block that, okay, I have to get through three days of shooting. And I think... What happened was they all paced themselves
1: in the beginning,
0: treating it as a marathon rather than a sprint and maybe dialed it back a little bit because they knew it was going to be three whole days, which they're not used to doing. And then they got to that third day, they could see the finish line and then they just shot how they shoot.
1: Back to a subconscious performance. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's, interesting that's, observation. that's, that's very common, especially if, if if something happens and we think we're out of the running, right? You ever you yeah. ever talk to somebody in a major match and hey, how's it going? Oh, I zeroed stage two. Now we're just shooting for fun,
0: <laughs> and yeah. then they, they shoot the yeah. best of their life.
1: They shoot really well because they are now shooting subconsciously and they're not overthinking mm-hmm. it. Now the wow. trick Phil is Do that. Oh, Phil Str- he's such a cool guy, and it's 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 so funny that you mentioned him because the stage I was gonna. I was going to give you the example of was a stage that he actually beat me on and limited. Every every time I see him, I remember that clown stage, he goes, yeah, I beat you. (laughs) (laughs) So is, 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 is as quick as I can make this, I was a major match choker. Okay. I was nervous and scared and I knew I was going to make a mistake. And then as soon as I made the mistake, I was relaxed and shot really well. Well, at this match that Phil and I were both at, I had made my mistake. I relaxed. Remember, I'm relaxed because my self-image expected me to make a mistake. So when I do, I'm not happy, but I sure am comfortable. That's really important. And then we have this stage, and you can you can see it on my YouTube video, on my YouTube channel. Uh, the popper activates a window. The window opens for a couple of seconds, and there's seven paper and one steel in this window. And there were, there were two of these windows. So you could do half of it from one side, half of it from the other, or you could go prone um, but you had to open both windows or you had to hit both steel. And I got up there, Grant, and I knew that I could get every single one of those shots off before that window closed. I knew it. And I was like, come to Papa!" <laughs> right? So bang, window opens, brrr, ding. And I actually do a little happy dance, you know, but that happened right after my mistake. If I hadn't made that mistake, I wouldn't have tried. I wouldn't have even tried that. Because remember, I'm cautious and I'm scared. Right. But after my mistake, now I can be at a hundred percent of my skill level. And I knew I could do it. Knew it. Okay.
0: I've also seen guys go the other way though, where they make a mistake and they just can't let it go. And they dwell Mm -hmm. on it and they carry it with them through the rest of the match.
1: Correct. That, that happens when we obsess on the mistake. Right. Remember the, everything we say, think, hear, read produces a picture in our mind. That picture tends to be our immediate future. So if we make a mistake and we think about it, talk about it, think about it, talk about it, that mistake stays in your head and tends to be your immediate future. So one of the things we teach in mental management is after a mistake, identify and focus on the correction. If you have a bad shot on stage one, Grant, it's either sight or trigger. Okay. The better the shooter is, the more likely it is to be sight. You didn't see what you needed to see for a shot. That's an easy fix on stage two. It's the easiest fix that there is, especially for a guy like you, who's obviously pretty quick. I'll try. Yeah. <laughs> I just need to see what I need to see.
0: Yeah, I think it's a good idea when you make a mistake to walk away and take a minute to settle down a little bit. I tell people, go use the outhouse or whatever. Just walk away for a minute. <laughs> then when you come back, go look at the next stage before you come back. So then, you know, you're done with the previous stage. You don't need to think about it anymore. Go take a peek at the next stage you have coming up and get your mental process focused on that so you can move forward.
1: Correct. Yeah, you're you're, you're controlling those thoughts.
0: But during the time you're taking your little break, that's when you accept the mistake that you made and you correct it in your brain so you can carry that with you to your next stage, the correcting Mm-hmm. And do that on the next one.
2: Yep. So what That's... I do is, is oh, it's a mic. I've got 15 points down behind the winner. Now I need to focus on that. That's what I've been doing. That was wrong. Okay. How's
1: that working out for you, bud? Uh, not great. <laughs> so if you have a mic, it's either side or trigger. Okay. Yeah.
2: So focus on the correction, oh. not the mistake. Yeah. And now I'm behind on points.
1: And, well... So what if, what if the guy you're behind, what if he has a death jam on the next stage? What if he screws up, right? It's, it ain't over till it's over. And you're, you may be giving up prematurely thinking, well, there's 15 points. I'll never get back. Well, you never know what's going to happen. Right. I remember, I can't think. I I seem to recall it was either, it was either a client of mine or, 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 or somebody else. Oh, it was Mark Sue. That's who, exactly who it was. Mark Sue had trouble on a stage and he didn't let it get to him. And then come to find out that stage got thrown out. <laughs> so right. it it you didn't just didn't never know. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't even an issue, but had he let that be an issue, if he'd given up or done something else dumb, he would have given up his performance come to find out the one he struggled on got thrown out because you, it ain't right. over till it's over. Mm-hmm. And if you start thinking about results, you have given up control of the only thing you can control, which is what you do.
2: Okay. So basically, if I look at scores, I'm going to give up control of what I can do. Remember, I didn't tell you, you can't look at scores, there, but no, there's no, a no, risk. No, I, I didn't. There's a risk. There's that risk. And I think the way my brain works, that risk might just
1: throw me in the deep end. And here's the question. If you're shooting as quickly as you can see what you need to see, what are you going to change when you look at the scores?
2: Yeah, I was maybe going to do it as a look at the scores because the way they were shooting was A, B, and C, and I was shooting, they were shooting A, B, and C, and I was shooting B, C, A. So I would have been able to see basically on the third day how they had shot in their first day and maybe would have seen how they did and gauge my performance
1: on that. Again, what would you change? Now, if you're a guy who's consciously coming out at eighty-five or ninety percent, I think that's an error because if mm-hmm. if if the big stage is the first stage, right, and you're going to come out at eighty-five percent, that's that's a that's lot of points too low. To, uh, Yeah, that's yeah. you know, I, c- coming out at hundred would be my preference. Um, that I just think that, especially at the at the upper level, hundred percent is where you need to be. Because what if you set 100%, it too low? 100%. What if you set it at 92 and the right number is 98? And how do we do that <laughs> anyway? You know? But if you're, if you're shooting as quickly as you can see what you need to see, in my opinion, you're always at the right speed. Okay. Have you ever shot a stage, done really well, and said, man, I wish I would have slowed down because that was the first stage? <laughs> 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 I can't say
2: I have. No, no. Never, never, never. I wish I'd like, shot it faster and more accurately, but
1: um, never slow down. And, and how are you going to shoot it faster and more accurately?
2: Well, I've seen my spot on the target, seen the sights go. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's no free
1: speed on match day. It sounds so easy, though. <laughs> ah, so that's good news, Grant. That means you're really smart. Okay. The smarter somebody is, the more trouble they have with simplicity. And the the more complicated their job is, the more they have trouble with simplicity. If you're a person that has a complicated job and you're really smart, right? I I have a client in New York who may have invented the way computers and cameras talk to each other. Think about how smart that guy is. Super smart. He has a hard time with simplicity. He likes things that are complicated because he lives in a complicated world doesn't like things that are simple because it makes him feel it doesn't make him feel smart let's just put it that way whereas talking about computers and cameras makes him feel smart letting things be simple doesn't do i don't have that problem i love things that are simple i love it because that means when things are simple that means i can use a predictable process to get a predictable result that's awesome (laughs) that's interesting
2: that's
1: very interesting
0: Steve, is there anything that you haven't talked about that you'd like to cover before we wrap things up?
1: Uh, we haven't talked about Van Halen enough, but we don't want to talk about Yeah, there actually is. Um, I, I have a program on my website now called The Anderson Insider. And it's $9.99 <clears throat> a month. And you get access to my fourth book. My fourth book is called How To Now. Um, It was going to be a digital book, but the, the royalties on Amazon are 30% for, for digital books. Like the author gets 30% and Amazon gets 70%. It's not a very good deal. Mm -hmm. So um, I went and put it, I've made it available on my paid site. It's, I think it's 20 some chapters, audio and uh, PDF, how to solve one problem on the range today. It, that's why it's called how to now. If you want a sub-second draw, let's go to the range right now and let's do it. You you to now. Sh- exactly. <laughs> if you, if, if you <laughs> want to learn to call your shots, let's go to the range right now. Let's learn how to do it. Um, so that's on there. Um, there's a bunch of videos. I just did the world's greatest video on shooting swingers that hasn't uploaded yet. I'm super proud of that. Uh, but anybody who who's invested in me or wants to, to, to learn more about this, go join that insider program and let's do a middle management class. You know, it's, it's, it's a guided tour of with winning in mind um, from a guy who's been there and done it and knows exactly how you feel. Grant, I have been everywhere that you've been. Are you a national <laughs> champion? Uh, yeah. i standards All right. So I have been everywhere you have been except there. Okay. So I can help you with any problem you've got. So congratulations on your national title, by the way. It was a couple of years ago. Um, and we were working on the production <clears throat> one now. Hang on. Thank you very much. It feels <laughs> good to be a national champion. Not, it was a couple of years ago. I don't know if I can do it again. Right? <laughs> Remember, learning how to take compliments is a big part of confidence. Okay? If you think about what, what husband's Sometimes tell their wives in the morning, oh, honey, you look so cute this morning. Woman's like, what are you talking about? My face is on the pillow and my hair is a mess and I'm wearing your t-shirt. I know I like you like that. <laughs> so they take a compliment and they turn it into an insult. It damages their confidence. What should be happening is, wow, I must be smoking hot because I just got up, not wearing any makeup. Do you still <laughs> think I look great? I must be a, I must be a knockout. That's how they should take that. Now they don't need to go tell everybody about it. They don't need to externalize it, but they should internalize it, right? To build confidence. Thank that's you. Steve, Steve. Thank you. <laughs> that was so easy. That was so easy. So easy. Oh. Yeah, that's that's really. I I don't really. I, I could I could do this all day, but I got to go. Right. I got to go feed my dogs. And watch yeah, yeah. So,
2: um,
1: it's been wonderful chatting with you guys. Thank you so much for having me. Um, Thank you, see this was
2: really golden. Really, it was. Thank you so
1: much. Well, thanks, buddy. I I appreciate that.
0: See? See what he did there? And I'd like to thank (laughs) DaVinci Machining for sponsoring the show. They make a very reliable PCC. And thank you so much, Steve, for coming on. We really appreciate it. Very good stuff. My pleasure. Thank you, Grant.
1: All right. Thank you, guys. We'll see you on the range. There is one more thing I want to add. Oh, oh, (laughs) Sorry, did you stop recording? No, we're good. all All right. Everybody listening to this show has something that they believe they're great at okay may not be shooting but it's something it's usually their jobs so what that means is they know what they're doing they've got strategy they've done it a bunch they've done it for 20 years and they believe they're going to be successful they have strategy skill and confidence anybody who's great at their job has those three things i'm great at my job and i've got those three things Anybody who struggles with their job is missing one of those. Either don't know what to do, haven't done it very much, or they don't believe they can be successful. Like me with my chainsaw, I'm a good example of that. Don't don't like it. Okay, I'm a little afraid of it because I like my fingers. But if we have strategy, skill, and confidence, we're golden. That's what I want to leave you with. All
0: right, thank you so much, Steve.
1: Awesome. Thanks, right, guys. Steve. Have a
0: great day. Yeah, you too. You a good one. Go feed those
1: dogs. Cheers. cheers. Yeah. Bye bye.